Welcome to CTSNet to Go, bringing your discussions about the most relevant topics in cardiothoracic surgery. The Cardiothoracic Surgery Network, known as CTSNet, aims to connect the global cardiothoracic surgical community through communication, collaboration, education, and interaction among cardiothoracic surgeons and their teams across the globe. Learn more at ctsnet.org. My name is Shanda Blackman, and I'm just one of the hosts of CTS Net to Go. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to our CTS Net Giants in Cardiothoracic Surgery series. My name is Jessica Luke, and I'm CTS Net resident editor and cardiovascular surgery resident from the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. I'm delighted to be here today at the 56th Society of Thoracic Surgeons Annual Meeting in New Orleans, Louisiana, with the honor of introducing Dr. Mark Rural. Dr. Rural is Chief and Professor of Division of Cardiac Surgery at the University of Ottawa Heart Institute. He is world-renowned for his work in pioneering and delivering numerous international courses on minimally invasive cardiac surgical operations, including multivessel coronary artery bypass grafting surgery minimally invasively, as well as non-sternotomy valve surgery. Dr. Rural has authored over 350 scientific publications and is the editor of a 600-page textbook on the Atlas of Cardiac Surgical Techniques that has sold over 10,000 copies worldwide. He has led numerous endeavors in clinical and translational research, including being the principal investigator of multiple multi-institutional international randomized clinical trials, including the MIST trial, which is a trial looking at minimally invasive versus sternotomy for coronary artery bypass grafting surgery, among many other clinical trials. Dr. Rural is president-elect of the Canadian Cardiovascular Society. He is the Canadian director for the Society of Thoracic Surgeons as well as past chair of the American Heart Association Council for Cardiovascular Surgery and Anesthesia, as well as co-chair for a program chair for the International Society for Minimally Invasive Cardiothoracic Surgery. Dr. Rural, thank you so much for being here today and accepting our invitation. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. So as well, to start off as, as a trainee, I'm always interested in learning about the beginnings of prominent surgeons such as yourself um, and the driving force that fosters your desire to pursue your area of expertise. Before we begin to talk about your remarkable work in minimally invasive cardiac surgery, can we start off with uh, asking you about what inspired you to pursue a career in cardiac surgery? Thank you, Jessica. First, uh, let me tell you that I really believe that the future is yours. And your generation is absolutely uh, endeavored with amazing skills that many constituents of my own generation were not having. You guys are really embracing the full spectrum of cardiac surgery like we didn't have it, certainly in my era. You were going from very complex operations performed very safely to minimal invasive platforms that you partake into a very active role in accomplishing. So I think this is wonderful. and. and your generation really has wonderful opportunities and will be transformative. And I think many of my constituencies would, would agree with that. Um, with regards to what inspires someone to, to take this field, obviously there are 
numerous professional and personal corridors that are negotiated. And I think uh, the importance of mentorship is definitely there, right? Uh, we have, uh, like you, there are role models as you are a medical student and, and then a resident and then in steering someone's career, there, uh, there are key relationships, which I think are, are very, very important. And uh, on a personal basis, what I try to do is open doors to others the way that doors were open for me. And I think it's very important in our field to give back. And you, you're starting to do this very early. You're already very instrumental, instrumental in making things happen. And that's, that's the way I see it. I've had several mentors who've, who've been uh, extremely insightful and steering you, sometimes steering me, not against my will, but certainly in directions that I did not think were the most optimal. And more often than not, they were right, especially early on in the career. Thank you very much, Dr. Ram. And how did it come about that you pioneered and performed some of the world's first minimally invasive multi-vessel coronary artery bypass surgical operations? What inspired you to do so? And what was that experience like? Thank you, Jessica. As you know, MidCab is an operation that has been around since the 1990s. And Professor Calafiori, recently we celebrated his achievements uh, at the ICC and at the European meeting. And he definitely was one of the pioneers of this. But in my opinion, it was a limited operation in that, especially the way it was performed prior, it was a very medial incision, very close to the sternum. And, and the memory artery was not taken down over its full length. And also recognition and positive identification, if you will, of the left anterior descending artery was not accomplished in all cases. So you can be sure there's a, a certain number, a proportion of patients who had a mid-cab who had their diagonal bypass or perhaps a conal branch in some cases, right? So um, we had, this, this was in the middle of the off-pump development and certainly a lot of emphasis on, on off-pump surgery, but there was no real routine platform where you can combine off-pump multivessel bypass surgery with the avoidance of a sternotomy. So we worked on this. My colleague Joe McGinn and I really developed this program. Uh, there had been some individual that had performed the cases before, but the, the sternotomies were large. They, it was not a standardized procedure. And, and certainly we worked together very closely. Joe at the time was in New York City. We were in Ottawa. I was a 35-year-old and really taking this on as a very enthusiastic off-pump surgeon who wanted to do something else. And essentially the problem we had at hand is that sternotomy is not a fantastic incision for the patient, right? It's a great incision for the surgeon. It obviously provides wonderful exposure, but we are splitting the breastbone. We're as we say, as patients often say, cracking their chest, right? In the middle, in patients who often have osteoporotic processes going on. And, and we know well from even very recent data that the, more, the most you can hope for with regards to healing of a sternotomy is maybe about 70% of your patients who will actually have bone union that will be complete at the level of the sternum. So it's a suboptimal incision. And we know a fair number of these patients, probably around 25 to 30% have chronic pain of some sort after sternotomy. So uh, I think there are definitely a lot of desire to move away from this incision and perform bypass surgery, which is so robust, which is so different than medical therapy or PCI, percutaneous coronary interventions. 
because essentially what you're doing is you're adding new arteries to a patient who was born with three arteries in its branches. So that's, it's a very powerful intervention to go in and add three, four arteries, right? And if you can do this in a less invasive fashion without quote unquote cutting the, cutting the breastbone, it is a major advance. And what I love to see now is the number of centers that have taken up the surgery, ready, and using the techniques that, that Joe and I uh, developed and try to validate and try to, to, to publish uh, around various technical steps and combined series, uh, et cetera. So, so I, think, I think we've come a long way and nothing pleases me more to see the international uptake of minimal invasive multivessel bypass surgery. Thank you very much, Dr. Rao. And can you tell me how the learning curve was and what are some ways that we can minimize that? Yes, thank you. So it's a paradigm shift. And as for many inventions or kind of quite uh, disruptive approaches to things, it's best if it started relatively early, early on in someone's career, right? You wouldn't want someone who's been doing on-pump sternotomy bypass surgery his or her whole life to take on minimal invasive off-pump beating heart multivessel bypass. Uh, in my case, I was in my 30s at the time, and the learning curve was very difficult because we didn't know where we were going to. Uh, and, and, and I would say there is a long learning curve with these operations, as for any complex operation. Uh, but what's important is to have proper teaching proper mentoring, peer-to-peer uh, -peer proctoring is something that I highly encourage. And first and foremost, accept that the top priority for a patient is safety. With all minimal invasive operations, uh, safety and efficacy trump the minimal invasive aspect of the operation. So it's a little bit like a an commercial aircraft, commercial aircraft fly, flying over the, the continent, you're going from New York to LA. Uh, the first priority of the airlines, obviously, the safety of the flight. The second thing is the efficacy, if you will, right? You, you, you hope that the aircraft's gonna go from LaGuardia and land in LAX, right? But if there's something, they will stop in Denver, right? And they'll figure it out later, but safety is the first priority. And the third aspect is comfort, right? And we know that the airlines are not always excellent at doing that. And certainly we surgeons, because we use the sternotomy so often and we're invasive because we want to be safe and efficacious, comfort is often a distant third priority. And I think you have to keep these, this good order of priorities at hand when you're entering into a minimal invasive program. I can tell you that it's been extremely safe at my institution. The minimal invasive patients have all had great outcomes. Essentially, we had out of, we're probably north of 500 patients who have had this operation. And we only have one unfortunate gentleman who didn't make it. He was going home and he had a saddle pulmonary ambulance leaving. So uh, just about to leave the hospital. So it has to be, if you're going to be minimal invasive, you have to be very, very safe. And you may not be able to accomplish it and complete it in everybody. And you have to have a relatively low threshold for converting or using cardiopulmonary bypass, which is definitely a very enabling technology with multivessel minimal invasive bypass surgery. Uh, but you have to be humble and you should never push the envelope to a stage where you compromise safety or efficacy. And I think if you follow these rules and you have proper mentoring and teaching around these operations, 
they are made to be adopted by any competent surgeon. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Rao. That was very insightful. And can you tell me about what patients say about their minimally invasive operations? Do they recover faster and get to go home sooner? They do, and um, it's interesting and difficult to know for sure whether it's a bit of a halo effect, if you will, you know, or you could even say a placebo effect because the patients are, they're very compelled by what they see. They see a little incision for a woman, it's under the breast in many cases. In a woman, you, you cannot even see it because the breast falls over it. Uh, but at the same time, we, we also think that definitely there's a recovery component. It's not an incision, remarkably, that is less painful during the hospital stay. Uh, because, uh, you know, to, to make it overly simplistic, when you do sternotomy, you cut bone, you don't cut muscle. Mm -hmm. There's no, not a lot of swelling of the third space muscle tissue. When you do a small thoracotomy, you cut muscle and you stretch it a little bit. You don't cut bone, you go between both, but you stretch things a little bit. So the first few days in hospital, there's actually not a lot of difference. We usually can shave off maybe a day. Uh, we could shave off more, and certainly there's some data coming out internationally where there's two-day discharge, et cetera, around minimal invasive non-sternotomy procedures. Wow, uh, but this being said, patients, uh, you know, they do recover much faster. We don't have any randomized evidence around that yet, and we are working on this. You were mentioning earlier the, the MIST trial. Um, the primary endpoint of the MIST trial precisely will be looking at recovery of patients after minimal invasive multivessel bypass performed by small thoracotomy versus sternotomy. Thank you very much, Dr. Rural. I eagerly look forward to the results of the MIST trial when they are published. And do you routinely perform minimally invasive multivessel coronary artery bypass for all comers for your patients? And how do you, how do you select your patients? That's another great question. Um, it's not yet for everybody. Uh, I think if someone comes to you and, and really wants it, then I'll give you an example. I had last year, one of my colleagues sent me a patient who needed a triple vessel bypass, who was quite overweight and was a vasculopath and had an amputation. And uh, clearly not an ideal candidate and there was some LV dysfunction, et cetera. So not an ideal patient to start such a program. But a patient in whom the benefit of going minimal invasively will be huge. And, and certainly, when, when you, you put yourself to doing it, there are a lot of tools that you can use. And obviously, we're not entering into a technical discussion as to how to perform the operation. But I use cardiopulmonary bypass assistance, mitigating you know, the extra fat tissue, the left ventricular dysfunction, and allowing want to perform a complete revascularization. This patient was extremely thankful because there was no way that he would have been able to resume using his prosthesis after sternotomy and using crutches and et cetera. Uh, so I think the answer is yes, you can do it on almost everybody. Should you is a different response in my opinion. Um, I think when you start a program, you have to, again, select patients. I often say, make sure that you make the operation look good. Don't get into this zone where it's a little dubious mm -hmm. as to whether you'll be able to come out of the operation with a good result. Right. Uh, certainly, you know, we are, uh, our patients are first and foremost our priority. 
and their safety is, is our top priority. So we, we have to make sure that the operation is well suited to the patient. Thank you, Dr. Rao. And what would you recommend for those out there who are eager to learn and adopt this technique into their practice? And speaking from both the trainee level as well as the experienced surgeon uh, level who are looking to expand their operative repertoire. Thank you. I would say first, make sure that you're facile with off-pump sternotomy bypass surgery. And I realized that the evidence with regards to the benefits intrinsic to off-pump bypass surgery have, has been somewhat tepid, right? And there hasn't been a lot of hard benefit from performing off-pump surgeries by sternotomy. But this being said, it's a very important vehicle uh, in order to get to something else. If we want to steer away from every single bypass surgery patient having a sternotomy and ice on the heart, we have to start somewhere. And, and I think the first important technical aspect to master is to graft the vessel on a moving target and stabilize the epicardium around the artery that's desired, and finding the spot and controlling the backflow and, and, and essentially having a perfect anastomosis every time. And I think that is sine qua non to starting a minimal invasive program subsequently. So I often say uh, within the, the realms of our training program in Ottawa, uh, I often advise when visitors want to come, uh, I say it's important that first the surgeon and team who want to learn this are facile with off-bomb bypass surgery. Thank you, Dr. Rao. And do you think that e-learning simulation Digital technologies such as virtual reality can play a role in, in teaching and learning minimally invasive surgery for cardiac surgery. And what is its role in potentially even telementoring internationally? Absolutely, and that's where young, smart people like you come in. Uh, this is not something that we have explored, but I think your point is very well taken. Uh, there are many ways that uh, teams, surgeons, and their constituency locally can learn from telementoring platforms or, or aids of various natures, including 3D models, et cetera. Um, and, and I think your, your point is very valid as well with regards to what, I separate the operation according to chapters. And the first chapter of is really positioning and incising at the right spot. And, and many surgeons ask me, you know, if you want to graft a PDA, a second marginal, uh, LED and at the same time uh, put a radial onto the aorta or as a Y graft and have two arterial grafts out of three, um, where do you make the incision? Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, there are ways to reconstitute with CT scan, which personally I don't do, but many of the centers to whom we have taught the operation are using CT scanning very, very closely in order to determine their incisional approach to this. So I think, you know, you could easily make the extension that you could have like a 3D model, for instance, of the patient, some reconstitution uh, of the exact anatomy of your given patient and choose the most optimal incision site. So I think this is uh, a potential for very fascinating work uh, that uh, people such as yourself could undertake, definitely. Thank you, Dr. Rurel, and that certainly would be easier with the coming days with advances in like coronary CTAs and um, evolving radiological techniques. And finishing off, what do you see as the next steps in future for minimally invasive multi-vessel coronary artery bypass grafting? 
um, as well as hybrid revascularization, robotic mid-cab, conventional sternotomy. Thank you. This is a great question. And I think we surgeons with our cardiology colleagues and our multidisciplinary team, we have to work together because, as you know, there is a resurgence in the recognized efficacy and effectiveness of coronary artery bypass. So here's an opportunity for us to make the surgery less invasive while preserving the robust and high quality correct character of it. And I think that is tremendously important. I often wonder and ask many of my colleagues or at meetings, what do you think that the bypass operation performed in 2040 is going to look like? And to me, despite the wonderful attributes of taking two internal thoracic arteries down, adding a radial and doing five arteriographs or three or whatever, just turn on to me, I just don't think that this is a well-positioned operation for the future. I just cannot imagine that we'll be in 2040, 2050 and performing these operations, your generation performing this. I'll be retired then, by then. Um, so I think we have to look at other approaches. It may be that bilateral internal thoracic arteries being grafted onto the left heart via a robotic-assisted approach, and then combining this with a small thoracotomy could be the solution. Mm -hmm. uh, there certainly is a lot of potential to work together, including with our patients, and understanding how recovery occurs after major thoracic surgery, either by sternotomy or by small thoracotomy, uh, in order to improve the offering that cardiac surgeons have. With regards to, again, that very powerful intervention of adding two, three, four, five new arteries around the heart when this diffuse coronary artery disease afflicting the patient. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Rural. I, I thank you so much for your insight. I found it very helpful as a trainee and to get your glimpse into the future and next steps for our specialty. Well, certainly for myself and on behalf of CTSNet, you have made remarkable contributions to the cardiac surgical community and for our patients. Thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, it has been such an honor to feature you in the Giants in Cardiothoracic Surgery series. The honor was mine. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to CTS Net to Go, your resource for podcasts focusing on cardiothoracic surgery. Find more discussions as well as surgical videos and other cardiothoracic surgery resources at ctsnet.org. You can also keep up with CTSNet by subscribing to the YouTube channel at CTSNet Video, by following at CTSNet.org on Twitter, or by liking CTSNet's page on Facebook. I'm Shanda Blackman. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of CTSNet to Go. Have a great day.